0: This is Psych Debates, a show about what really matters in mental health, of all matters, mental health. We bring you the biggest experts for the most important topics. By any means necessary. Let the debates begin. Hey, everybody, welcome back to another episode of Psych Debates. We're so excited about having you guys back on. It's Dr. Monte Altahami and Dr. Jonathan Nimaeus. And we have a really exciting episode for you guys today. Um, And the title of this episode is Psychotherapy and the Common Factors. And our guest today is the world-renowned Dr.
1: Deborah Kabnis. She's, uh, you know, we, we have a lot of guests on this show. And I feel like I throw this this... Uh, phrase around a lot but she literally
0: wrote the book (laughs) absolutely and she she's the associate director of residency training and the director of psychotherapy training in the department of psychiatry um, at columbia university college of physicians and surgeons she she teaches residents she supervises residents there she coordinates the curriculum uh, she teaches psychodynamics um, across across the board Um, And as Jonathan said, has literally written the book on psychodynamic formulation um, and a number of other books that we'll be discussing uh, during this um, during this episode. But before that, visit us at psychdebates.com, the home of mental health based discussion education. Um, If you enjoyed listening to our podcast, please leave a review and subscribe to our podcast so that you are updated when we release our episode. Remember, guys, the material presented in the podcast are meant for educational purposes only and not medical advice.
1: Indeed. I am very excited. There's a few things I'm hoping to talk with her about. Um, oh, there's there's all kinds of things that we could talk to her about. Psychodynamics, is, is that's one of the books that she's written. But in particular, I know she's done a lot of work on some of the common factors related to all the different types of psychotherapies. And so, so I, I think she'd be really... Uh, uh, it provide an interesting and very informed and uh, impression on some of these factors uh, what do you think Monty
0: no absolutely I mean there's a number of things we're going to be talking about in the, in the episode uh, what Jonathan mentioned and also like the basics like what is psychotherapy and who does it and who is it for and um, and then from the trainees perspective um, and those are who are mental health hopefuls or are in the mental health field like what does that look like in terms of training and what are some of the common factors that help patients and what are some of the things that we should be honing down on um, as mental health providers or clinicians. And so I'm absolutely excited about talking with her and this episode has definitely kind of informed my way of thinking about psychotherapy. And so without any further delay, I call on the house for the motion of discussion. Dr. Cabnis, we're, we're really excited about having you on. I, I must say that I'm feeling a little bit like this is a surreal moment because I know me and Jonathan have kind of seen your reference in the bottom of our lecture slides from our first year um, psychotherapy lectures. And uh, it's kind of an honor and also uh, a privilege to be talking with you today. So we're really excited about having you on.
2: Thank you so much for inviting me.
0: So me and Jonathan have kind of going been going back and forth about this. And I wonder, you know, just for our audience as well, um, the term psychotherapy seems like such a kind of a broad term. And we're curious to hear from you. What is psychotherapy?
2: Well, I do think about psychotherapy in a very broad way. Uh, I think about psychotherapy as a something that uh, a is done with a, a client or a patient and a mental health professional can be in various different fields. Uh, that just involves talking, right? So it's not with a pill or any type of other intervention. So it's a talking therapy, to people, at least two people do it, could be a mental health professional and more than one client or patient with the express goal of improving the mental and emotional health of the patient or client. And it has a frame, but it doesn't have to have a specific frame. It could be two people talking in front of a nurse's station for five minutes, could be somebody talking for 45 minutes. It could be an encounter in an emergency room, really anywhere. So, uh, And it's a one way street, right? So you might talk Mm. to a friend where you want to help that person but that's a back and forth thing here the vector goes one way the mental health professional is there to help the client or patient and not the other way around so that's my de- definition of of psychotherapy just talking
0: that's really awesome because i was going to ask you as a follow-up question um Uh, What's the difference between that and talking to a family member or friend? And it seems like the uniqueness is that this is like a unidirectional talk talk platform or, or framework.
2: Yes. And one person's trained, you know, all different kinds of training, but one person is trained in some way to do this. And the express purpose is to improve the mental or emotional health of the client or patient. You know, so, what's, yeah,
0: go ahead. yeah you know, what's really interesting about that, it's something that came to my mind right now, as you're you're mentioning that, like the fact that there has to be a therapist, would would you consider, for instance, like uh, Internet therapy? Like I know like there was like at some point, I don't know if this is still out there, probably is. There's a lot of Internet based therapies um like robots or automated therapies. Would you consider those to be like psychotherapy, considered psychotherapy or no?
2: they are psychotherapies they're written by some human being right so you know they're just designed to reach a broader audience they're different um but i think you're still you're still you know it's still as long as it involves some kind of talking and dialogue um i think you can consider it to be psychotherapy
1: so i'm curious then as as kind of a a next follow-up question if you could talk on who does psychotherapy and, and tell us a little bit more about like the training aspect, what goes into becoming a psychotherapist.
2: Well, there are lots of different kinds of mental health professionals, um, and there's lots of different kinds of training. So it's really very heterogeneous. There are some kinds of therapies that take years to learn. But one thing that's very exciting uh, that um, people are really thinking about who think about implementation science, you know, there's a lot, there are a lot of people who we want psychotherapy to reach, particularly evidence-based psychotherapies. And uh, people are really realizing that with, um, you know, a little bit of training, they can perform psychotherapy. And so that's very, very exciting. So there's, there's no one kind of training in psychotherapy, just like there's no one kind of psychotherapy
0: hmm so there's 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 different types of trainings and those kind of lead all is it all all roads lead to Rome or are these like very different um and lead to very different outcomes um because I know as as a as a resident trainee it seems like there are really different silos uh, when when it comes to therapies and they're not really sometimes it seems like they're not connected to each other
2: what do you mean all roads lead to Rome what what where's Rome in this situation
0: Rome Rome meaning an improvement for the patient in the same way um uh, in, inspiring hope uh if I was to use that uh, framing well
2: it's not you know it's not people getting better in the same way it, it, it one of the things to think about is there are a lot of different kinds of uh, difficulties that bring people to mental health professionals, all different kinds of difficulties and We as therapists, whichever kind of therapist we are, we really, rather than thinking, well, I'm a psychodynamic psychotherapist. So that's what I'm going to offer. We really have to listen to what people come to us with the difficulties and also the goals. You know, somebody might come to us and we might think this person really needs a long-term treatment, but really their goal is to do something right now, like I just need to get on an airplane in two weeks because my son is getting married or something like that, Mm -hmm. right? And that might be their goal. And we have to really listen to the people who come to us and collaboratively come up with a treatment plan if it involves psychotherapy, that isn't just what we want or what our goals are as therapists, but what the people who come to us asking for things want. So um, there are all different ways to, you know, Outcomes in psychotherapy are very diverse, right? I mean, you could say uh, I, if, if, if it really depends on what the goals are and what the treatment is. So uh, I would say they're really v- very different.
1: It, you mentioned the term earlier, like evidence based. Um, could you t- uh, speak a little bit about what what are things that you might look for 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 an evidence based therapy compared to to otherwise?
2: Have it have. Have there, has it been tested in a, in a um, in a way that you know? Uh, have there been trials? Um, has it, have there been metrics? Um, have people looked at outcomes? Um, you know, is there evidence that this treatment is going to help somebody? Um, so that that's uh, that's what we mean, you know, in all of medicine by evidence based, right?
0: Yeah, no, I, and I, I I like that, uh, the question you asked, Jonathan, because I always think about like, for instance, like placebo controlled trials and randomized controlled trials as being like the epitome of evidence. Um, and I don't know if that model necessarily fits very well um, for testing psychotherapy. Um, I personally don't have any experience with running a randomized controlled trial for psychotherapy, but... I'm curious to hear your input on that because it seems like placebo might play in a role. Expectations. Um, I feel like these are all very complicated methodologies.
2: Yeah, I haven't run a, a, um, a randomized control trial of psychotherapies either. Uh, newer psychotherapies uh, have have though, and thinking about you know, and people have done all different kinds of um, controls. Um, you know, to think about uh, how to measure whether psychotherapy works. So I would say uh, it, it works pretty well in psychotherapy. You just have to think. You know, people have to think really hard about what the metric is going to be, what they're actually trying to measure, what they really want to um, improve, and uh, and 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 what their control is going to be. Um, not all psychotherapies have been measured in this way. Hopefully, at some point, they will be. I think there's a real there. It, we we need more uh, different types of uh, measurement and different types of outcome studies. I would say, you know, outcome studies in psychotherapy across the board.
1: That's it's an interesting prospect too, where there's there's these some psychotherapies which have received this that uh, have lots of data now. There've been lots of all these studies, and there are some that don't have that. And and the question being. Um does that mean that the other psychotherapies that don't have it are they not effective and and it sounds like the the answer is well you know we don't have the trials to say yes or no but also what is the individual patient's experience like is is the patient finding benefit from it and um at least that's like the way that I think of it
2: Yeah that's um, a good that's a good way to think about it and you're right we don't have the data yet No you can't say about something that hasn't been tested it's not effective if it hasn't been tested but i i hope that you know the two of you for example are really interested in psychotherapy maybe you'll end up doing psychotherapy trials that's really what we need you know funding for psychotherapy trials for different types of imaging i mean really understanding Uh, what the target engagement is in the brain of different kinds of psychotherapies. This is incredibly exciting. And so Mm -hmm. I think it's a wide open field. And I hope that people just do more of this kind of um, investigation. So we can not only know whether different kinds of things work, but we can hone our treatments based on, I mean, you really have to get that information in order to actually improve the treatments. And then most exciting, really think about how they might work in the brain, right? So we don't really, we don't have that information yet. But you should go figure it out. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Monty, let's do this.
0: <laughs> um. Yeah that that would be that would be very exciting if we could, and we'll try. Okay. Good. Um, <laughs> uh, I, we'll I, talk I will, in twenty years. <laughs> yes. Yeah, sounds good. Um, Uh, You know, what something that comes to my mind is and I get asked this a lot by family members, by patients, uh, by friends when they're thinking about therapy and getting therapy is what type of therapy should I get? Uh, They ask that question. Obviously, you've kind of alluded earlier what you should be doing as a provider um, when a patient comes to you um, asking uh, for help, delineating the goal. But how would one go about like knowing what type of therapy to get?
2: It's a great question and you know it's one that um you know i've written about a little bit in um, books and blogs because i think uh it's it's people need to really be educated or you know have an idea about what the different types of therapy are and we need to know what the different types of therapy are i think you know Mental health professionals ultimately will learn how to do one or two different types of treatments well if they're psychotherapists. That's probably about as much as they can do. But in whatever mental health field there is, I really think that people need to at least be exposed to, to the different types of therapies that are available. And there are many, so that when somebody comes in again, you know. Just because your hammer doesn't mean everything looks like a nail, right? That when when somebody comes in and says something, I'm really afraid of going over bridges a lot, and I it's really impeding my ability to get to work, and it's it's in, impeding my the quality of my life, and I think, oh, it's a phobia. Um, you know, cognitive behavior therapy is excellent for that and um and i know that now i'm i'm not a specialist in that so i'm going to refer this person to a cognitive behavior therapist so that they can get this and and that's really what the goal is and i I, you know it's, it's it's very important to me that the people that i train really have a sense of the spectrum that is psychotherapy so that they can when they meet somebody think about what the person thinks is wrong and what the goals are and then you know think about what would what would getting better mean to this person what would that look like for this person right so what are the goals What what needs to change for this person to feel better and then match that up with what they know about different therapies and have a conversation with the person about the different types of options that's really optimal now You're not always going to be in a place where all of the different kinds of therapies are available, but many are. And uh, telehealth is made more, uh, you know, accessible to a broader range of people. So uh, I think, you know, when people come to a mental health professional, they should ask. It's, It's informed consent, just like anything else. You know, we physicians are, Trained to do informed consent really well when, you know, um, you come in and you have uh, options that are have to do with medicine. You know, your your glucose is a little high, or what are the different options? You know, that for treatment. And we say, well, you could do this, you could do this, you could do this. Um, these are the risks. These are the benefits. These are the um, these. This is what I think might happen if you don't get any treatment. All the things that we know go into informed consent. And I, I think all mental health professionals should really be taught to do and, and should every time do an informed consent process with patients to give them a range. You know, I, I, I'm recommending this, but you could also do this. and And then t- whenever things are sort of stuck in a treatment to kind of do it again and say, are we doing the right thing? You know, might we actually at this point need to do something else to sort of revive that process of thinking like, is this the right kind of therapy rather than just plugging right along? We call it differential psychotherapeutics, right? You know, that you really have to think about um, what the different options are and and always have that cycle, Think, you know, going around your head, think, what's wrong? What needs to change? What's the best match for this? And having and and it has to be incredibly collaborative with the person with the you know client or patient.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I think it. I don't mean to interrupt, Jonathan. I think what 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 makes me feel like um, really interested about this, as well as in terms of training and and understanding this differential psychotherapeutics, is like uh, there is there is a decline in psychotherapy training residencies across the United States. Uh, there's a decline in um, psychotherapy practice by psychiatrists in the United States. Um, as a matter of fact, more, more, more often than not, if you're prescribing certain types of medications like antipsychotics and antidepressants, the more or less likely you are to be practiced in psychotherapy. Um, and so I'm, I'm just really curious to hear your opinion on that. And why do you think that's happening?
2: You know, in terms of thinking about psychotherapy training, I would really hope that that all psychiatrists um, would have the feeling that whatever encounter they're having with patients, you know, if it's a med check, if it's um, an emergency room encounter, if it's a, a CL meeting, you know, three visits before a surgery or something like that, that their encounter would qualify for the definition of psychotherapy that I gave at the top of this podcast, right, which is that you're meeting with somebody with the express goal of improving their mental and emotional health, always, every encounter, and so we're, we may not be we we may not be uh, serving ourselves well, particularly since there's so much mental health need in the United States now. It's overwhelming. I mean. It was overwhelming before, now post-COVID, it's even more overwhelming. So rather than thinking, oh, we really should be training mental health professionals, not just psychiatrists, but across the board to do very long-term treatments. You know, I really do think that we should be training people to be thinking that every encounter that they have with a patient, you know, people sometimes think, well, it's just a but it's not, right? You're talking to somebody that every encounter can be psychotherapeutic. So we may be asking, I think we may be asking the wrong questions, like with with the you know, are we decreasing, um, you know, doing psychotherapy or should we be doing and training people to to think differently about what psychotherapy is and adjust right and to think that we can really deliver um, uh, treatments that can be brief, that, and that can be combined with all, in all of these different kinds of situations. So I'm actually really optimistic that we could think about this, you know, really, really differently, and think about not oh it's going by the wayside, but we have to we have to be um, cognizant of the realities of our world, and really then ask different questions and do different kinds of training and 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 adjust to the realities of our healthcare system and the needs of people.
1: It sounds like, um, please correct me if I'm wrong, but it sounds like you might be alluding to then broadening the scope of, or broadening who is doing psychotherapy, like um, for, for a public health or for, for the current public health crisis that you're describing, where there's just all kinds of mental health problems these days. So um, do you feel like, for example, like your, your average primary care physician or, or nurses or, or other kinds of staff members should be doing these psychotherapeutic brief techniques?
2: They're excellent. I mean, nurses get a lot of psychotherapy training. Um, nurses can be excellent psychotherapists. Social workers are excellent psychotherapists. I think what's even more interesting is that, you know, um, it, it, studies and implementation science are taking people with BAs. And giving them training, and they're doing good treatments that are really helping people. So um, yes, absolutely. But not only should should we be broadening, you know, the, the scope of the people who can deliver these treatments, but but that you know, I'm suggesting that the psychiatrists who sort of think they're not delivering psychotherapy probably are, and they're not thinking about it that way, right? That they're they're interacting with people, and that we can train the psychiatrists of the future to think about the fact that they're delivering psychotherapy all the time in, in all of these situations. So I think, yes, both are true.
1: It sounds like a, like a way of being rather than like a, a particular, I'm going to practice this technique right now.
2: Well, I think you do think about this. No, I, I, I think you do think about the technique and I think there are different kinds of techniques. That can be used in busy situations, you know, on inpatient units and in emergency rooms, and that we are um, aware of them. I mean, after a while, when we get really practiced at them, we just do them automatically. But I think we can really think, uh, you know, um, I'm practicing psychotherapy. You mentioned instilling hope, right? Instilling hope is one of the common factors of of psychotherapy that, and um, we should instill hope in people that you know when we're treating them if we do that when we're prescribing medication to somebody or also doing liaison in the medical hospital or you know taking a history right your residents you you admit patients to the hospital you take a history taking a history can be incredibly psychotherapeutic i um, you spend an hour with somebody you know taking their whole history and helping them to make linearity out of the chaos that has just come in the weeks before how therapeutic is that right and then instilling hope i'm so glad that you've come to the hospital i think we can really help you and i look forward in the next weeks to helping you get better that's psychotherapeutic and we have to think about it that way it's really one of the most powerful aspects of psychotherapy and is one of the studied common factors
0: Hmm. And, and just because we are going down the line of the common factors, I'm curious to hear what, because if, if it is that the nurses and the social work and the 20-minute interaction uh, with the patient in the emergency room or the CL service, what are the things that make those psychotherapeutic? What, what things would make those more psychotherapeutic, rather, I should say, as well?
2: Well, again, I think if people are thinking about making an alliance, setting goals, instilling hope you know, thinking about, um, you know, trying to, trying to improve function, particularly in crisis situations, right? Um, Thinking about what, what can I help this person to change right now? Right? Not, we're going to have to spend years and years in psychotherapy and unravel, you know, everything about your past, but what can I help you with right now? For example, let's say somebody comes to an emergency room, because they ran out of medication the week before, and they forgot to, or let's let's just say they didn't um, uh, get new medication, and now they're symptomatic again. I would say, you know, I would talk to that person and try to make an alliance and understand how they're feeling and they're symptomatic, et cetera, and then think if I can help this person get some understanding of what happened to lead them to not renew their prescription so that the next time that happens they renew it. I will have done something extremely powerful in terms of psychotherapy. It's very proximal it's very it's very in the moment and it's very it, it really helps to improve function so for example, even helping somebody to like like let's look at your phone right now and let's set an alarm for a month from now when you need, I mean, that's a that, that could help this person avoid a whole emergency room visit the next time. And we just did it by talking to each other, right? It's really helping to improve function. So it's very, very, very proximal. And if I'm thinking to myself, not, well, I have to get the diagnosis and I have to, you know, start the medicine again. But I think I can also, in talking to this person, it's not going to take me a long time. I can do, I can help to improve function. Uh, I can make my encounter with this person psychotherapeutic and help them to improve their mental and emotional health right now.
0: Wow. That's that. that, I I really appreciate you for sharing that. And I think it is, it is, those are some of the things that you, you might find yourself doing, um, Unwittingly or sometimes missing some of those things, and so
1: maybe maybe doing that is is more in a more systematic way. Might I, Monty, I'm I'm feeling a little. I, I feel like I've had some hope inspired just now, just hearing this conversation. What, what <laughs>
2: what's making you more hopeful?
1: Well, I remember as you were describing this, it made me think back to when I was in medical school and I was learning what motivational interviewing was, and I would talk with my patients about, um, you know, cutting down on sugary things to eat and to just like problem solve with them and I, I, there's so many stories so many stories but like in, in particular there's this lady who was having a lot of the very large uh, sugary coffees from uh, mcdonald's three times a day and uh and and so we just we only you know, we, we problem solved and and then uh, we made a goal together and that was to, to have less i forget exactly the details but she ended up cutting it out completely by the next time we had seen each other right well first um, of all
2: motivational interviewing is a very powerful psychotherapy Right. And so the really if if you want to even get more optimistic and hopeful, you've been doing this all along. And and I would argue that that most people are doing this all along. They're just not aware that what they're doing. is psychotherapy. they're they're not they're not privileging the good work that they're doing with people talking to them and helping them to improve function, you know, in all of these different kinds of situations um, and uh, that. You know, I mean, how good a story is that right people are actually doing this or just not thinking of it, I hope I you know I was I was saying this to Monty last time we spoke, and I hope the next time they do the survey. People say oh yeah I do psychotherapy all the time, no matter what i'm doing right they don't just think well it only counts as psychotherapy and actually in that study they only counted psychotherapy that lasted 30 minutes. Well, that makes sense for the way they did the study, but I would sort of hope that people would say, well, I do psychotherapy all the time, no matter how short the encounter is, no matter what, it's not, you know, it doesn't have to be in an office with two chairs and a box of tissues, right? It can be anywhere that they're doing psychotherapy. So that, I think that's actually an exciting thing to think about how we as psychotherapists can um, train people differently going forward um again you know I'm, I'm repeating myself but for the realities of our our current world and uh, the mental health needs
0: no and i and i i want to ex- expand on what you just repeated by also repeating my question and expanding on it um, <laughs> sorry about okay. for interrupting yeah. earlier <laughs> no 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 not at all man that was that was a great point um i i i one of the things you mentioned was uh goal setting another was instilling hope Another was alliance with the patient. Um, how, would, how would one go about honing those skills? Um, obviously, some are more obvious, like goal setting, like thinking about what the patient wants. But something like alliance and instilling hope are a little bit more challenging for folks to think about and a little bit more abstract. How would you go about like doing that for somebody or teaching somebody to do that?
2: Why, why do you, what do you think is abstract about instilling hope?
0: I think hope is is uh, is a subjective uh, experience that that one um, has to personally detail um, or experience, and so I think it is a little bit more challenging. What what might be hopeful for one person might not be for another. It's uh, true.
2: It's true. So instilling hope, it, in a certain way, that's the that's the um, word that's often used in in having this conversation. I'm thinking we should really say offering hope. Right, so we can't know whether we've made the person hopeful, but we can offer hope. I feel hopeful. I can say to somebody that um, we can help you, offering hope. I, I I actually like that better. So I've I've learned something about the, the word choice. I mean, um, and uh, I think it's actually, I think it's pretty simple, and I think. I think, you know, Jonathan, you're referencing being a medical student. I think medical students and, and you know, early trainees in different fields often do this automatically. It's what draws us to our work. We want to help people and we want to help them feel better. And I think, you know, I, I think as a medical student, when you're sort of, um, you don't know, oh, am I doing this technique? Am I not doing this technique? You say, you talk to people and you say, you know i'm so glad you came in i i i think we can really help you you know i'll i'll see you tomorrow and I'll, I'll bet after a good night's sleep you feel better um no that that's again one of the common factors of psychotherapy you just don't know it when you're a young person so it doesn't really it's not you know so i think i you know we you say well how do you train somebody to do it one of the things is or alliance
0: them, other than instilling well, you, you, mm-hmm. you
2: give them permission mm-hmm. Because I think a lot of people think, well, I'm not supposed to give advice or say, I hope you feel better or something. It's supposed to be like blank, which is a caricature of the psychotherapist. So if we show people, I mean, even in this brief conversation, I've given you some really teeny examples. Jonathan gave a good example, right? We want to share examples with people. We want to give students permission to be human. And to really understand the power of these common factors. Um, making an alliance is interesting. Um, there, I think you're right. And I think that we often say, oh, our trainees are nice. They're gonna get along with people, they're gonna make an alliance. And I think that you actually do have to train people to make an alliance. And I often think that, you know, there there's certain things that you have to teach people to do. Um, you have to you know, teach people to demonstrate interest and demonstrate uh, empathy. And so, for example, if you just sit and nod, that's one thing. But for example, if you're talking to somebody, you're doing an intake or you're... And 20 minutes in, you say, you know, I remember that at the beginning of this conversation, you said something. That means you've been paying attention. You're interested. If you come back the next day and you say, you know, I remember that you told me that your daughter X, Y, Z, it shows you're interested. You're interested in the person and you actually have to demonstrate interest. You have to demonstrate interest. You have to demonstrate empathy. So you have to say, I I think what you're telling me is that you're just feeling so angry at X and such, right? You, You can't just be empathic. You really have to say, this is, i'm really trying hard now to see the world through your eyes is the, does this sound right you know again it's this collaborative process demonstrate and then ultimately you have to demonstrate understanding so i think these are the big 3 of alliance demonstrating interest demonstrating empathy and demonstrating understanding even if you talk to somebody it's the first time you meet them you can say something to them that says that that it says i'm really trying to understand you know it doesn't have to be that you understand their entire life trajectory. But you can say, wow, I think, I think I'm really picking up that things have been so much harder in the last few weeks since you got a new boss, right? And you're beginning, you're, you're offering some understanding. So we can teach people this, you know, in class you can do vignettes, you can really, in class I always want people to say it verbatim. So somebody will say, well, maybe I would say to the patient, or say, no, say it to say it in class the way you would say it, just, you know, and really learning how to use those words. Um, you know, how would you convey under, you know, give somebody a vignette and say, you've only met this person for an hour. What's an honest thing that you can say that understand, that that conveys understanding at this point. So I think you really can teach people Alliance and we we often pass it over we think like oh they are fancier things to teach in psychotherapy but you don't have an alliance you can be fancy with you know you could have like 100 manuals in your office and you're not going to get anywhere so
1: that's that's fascinating I, I, to he, to hear like the the possibility of teaching trainees in this way and and I like can know from my own experience if i'm imagining uh myself doing something with a patient you know it, it's it's very different than actually doing it and it it often does not come out the way that i think you know it, it should be coming out when i'm with my patients
2: well you make a nice safe classroom and you just say say it like it just say it right and um people do a really good job and it, they really learn how to they really learn how to say things they learn how to use and you realize that you know people use a lot of jargon you try to get rid of that and I say things really plainly, clearly. Um, so yeah, it's a it's a, it's a, it's a good and fun way to teach.
1: Do, do you feel like um I, I'm I'm actually tangencing here a little bit, but um in, in some of the like psychotherapeutic classes I've taken, um, teachbacks have been very helpful. And and that's where I'll have like my peers and sometimes a teacher, but more often times my peers give me feedback in in the moment after I've done something. Um, have you, that's, have you seen that incorporated or is that, that's
2: just plain good for learning anything. I mean, you want to like make meringue, you want to learn how to be a psychotherapist, <laughs> like getting feedback in the moment is really great and getting feedback that feels useful, supportive. That sounds like you've had a, that. those have been great experiences for you. And that's just a great way to learn.
0: Yeah. Absolutely. Um, I, I, I want to, um, kind of jump on to something else or something very, very central to what we're talking about uh, but uh, is often maybe ignored or not talked about um, in the forefront of this topic of psychotherapy Um, and that is using psychotherapy or thinking about psychotherapy um, when it comes to structural inequalities um, or when it comes to identity and race I'm curious to hear. You know, I know that psychodynamic uh, psychotherapy has had a bad rap historically uh, when it comes to addressing or putting at the forefront um, like structural inequalities. What what is your what is your input on that?
2: Well, this has been kind of the topic of my interest for the last year. Um, uh, I've realized, you know, in the last few years, but particularly in the summer of 2020, that um, um, we haven't paid enough attention to sociocultural issues when it comes to um, uh, psychotherapy, particularly psychodynamic, I really can only speak to psychodynamic uh, psychotherapy, really thinking about um, the way that structural inequalities social determinants of mental health, et cetera, affect the development of people and allowing ourselves to incorporate on a on a regular basis with every single patient um, the input of uh, sociocultural factors into the way we think about every single person we see. Um, we've spent in, you know, as, as psychoanalysts, we're really really interested in i mean you, I, you i'm sure you've heard the ideas of like the microsystem the mesosystem and the macrosystem we spent a lot of time on the microsystem really good time right you know how are you affected how is an individual affected by their immediate family right how is the way you develop affected by your immediate family most psychoanalytic theories predominantly are are predominantly based On very early childhood uh, interactions with the immediate family. We've spent less time, um, I mean, you're not asking about this right now. We spent less time, you know, if you think like biopsychosocial, on the way genetics, epigenetics, um, temperament factor into the, um, uh, you know, psychodynamic formulation, the way we think about our patients, and consequently the way we intervene and and talk about them. But I I really think that the, We've got to look now at how do we think about the way um, sociocultural elements, the effect of society and culture, and how is that how how does that influence somebody? Somebody could have a an unbelievably warm, nurturing, wonderful early microsystem um, in which the, the secure attachment, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but be in a, a group, a, a non-dominant group. And, um, have all kinds of issues related to the effect, the larger effect of um, society and culture. So, um you know, that really feels very important um to uh, to me in terms of thinking about the way we train people to think psychodynamically about patients. the The broader issue of, you know, to whom is this available? Is an, another major issue because many of these—I mean, all kinds of psychotherapies are expensive, and there are access problems, and it's a—it's a big systemic problem. I mean, it's—it's it's true across the board in terms of all different kinds of therapies that are not available in—in um, in an equitable way, and and we as psychiatrists, I think, have to pledge to try to practice in as equitable a way as possible, not just in terms of psychotherapy, but in terms of all different types of, of treatments that should be available to all and aren't.
0: Mm -hmm. I think, I think that's, that's amazing that you guys have been working on that. Um, and, I I, I don't know if I'm supposed to, if it's privileged information or not that you're working on um uh, a, a draft or a redraft of the of the book or is that no it's not different? it's
2: not it's not privileged it's, okay uh, we're we're, we're the, uh, the second edition of our of our formulation book um is going to come out in the fall and it is we're calling it an expanded approach and we did it with a large writing collective so actually our names aren't going to be on the front anymore it's going to say the psychodynamic formulation writing collective um, we really um, are uh, needed a lot of voices to figure this out. Really, also um, addressing issues of uh, bias and how bias comes. Uh, you know how we have to really train ourselves to understand bias, to understand how bias can come into our formulations. Really, understanding how cultural differences between patient and therapist affect treatment. So all of these things are in this book. It was an incredible experience uh working with this amazing group of thinkers to um I just learned so much. I'm I'm you know, I'm not the same psychotherapist as when I started the project. I can tell you that.
1: I have to admire you, yeah, for, for like um I mean, this this is your you know of course the the first edition is out there and, and this is this is your book this is oh this is a book that we actually get in our residency program when we start thinking about psychotherapy and and for you to take a step back and say well there are still some things that, that could be changed and even go so far as to take your name off the cover um, for the sake of, of reducing inequities I I just have to admire <laughs> um, it, the ability to take a step back like that um,
2: well you know. It- you're, you're you're on your way there. You're doing this podcast. Why? Because you know you worked hard. My guess is you are residents. You went to work this morning. You worked really hard, and now you could be having dinner and you're doing a podcast. So you're trying to <laughs> you're, you're, you're trying to you know do extra. You're trying to inform people. And why a podcast? Because you want broad. You 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 want to reach a broad group of people, and you're probably consciously or unconsciously trying to reduce inequities in the way people think about psychotherapy. So hats off to you. And you're already on your on your way to doing the, the very thing that you're thinking about.
0: That's awesome. Um, I definitely feel you've offered us a lot of hope there. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. I feel like a therapeutic alliance. I don't, I don't think there is. <laughs> um, I have one last question, unless Jonathan, you had, you had something else. No, add. No, no. Um, <laughs> I, I wanted to ask you about, uh, obviously you have your book coming out. So that's definitely something where we recommend our audience members check out once it comes out. And you said that's going to be coming out in the summer. Is that correct? Fall, fall. In the fall of, of 2022. Um, obviously you have a number of other books, which we will also post on the podcast prescription, uh, description. Is there anything else that you want to leave our audience members with any recommendation for an additional reads? Um,
2: Um, you know, you can find, you can find psychotherapy everywhere. Um, I was, uh, I took the first, uh, plane ride of, of my covid experience last weekend and uh in on, on the on the plane on the Some plane exposure therapy um <laughs> they were showing Encanto have you seen this
1: I haven't seen it but I've heard all of the songs well beyond the songs Monty, i'm sure you have without realizing beyond
2: it. <laughs> the songs you know if you you know this is a this is a movie about people who want to be accepted by their family for who they are and it's about mm. trauma mm. and it's 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 great you know mm. and and i think you can learn about psychotherapy everywhere you can mm. learn about psychotherapy from the new, you know the the newspaper um from uh podcasts from uh things you read from movies it's it's easy to think oh i've got to dig into those textbooks but um you know these these psychotherapeutic um situ- uh, inside out have you ever seen that one yes you know, mm-hmm. yeah oh, i love Fa- it fabulous mm-hmm. about mm-hmm. development mm-hmm. you know the need to um you know how to, how this girl who moves right she's unable to move forward in development until she fully embraces all of her feelings i mean it's just brilliant right so they are all different ways to learn about psychotherapy and to be inspired not not just for us but for you know for the people who come to us as well. So it's really everywhere.
0: That's truly awesome. And I I would be remiss if I hadn't asked this question for Jeffrey Lee, who's one of our co-residents. And he specifically asked, what would be some recommendation you would make for specifically psychiatry uh, trainees in terms of where they should start um, in terms of their psychotherapy training? Where should they go in terms of starting to learn about psychotherapy?
2: Tomorrow, when you see your next patient, wherever you are, whatever you're doing, think about the things that we talked about and have a psychotherapeutic intervention. If you want to be further trained, you can get training at all different kinds of psychotherapies. There are institutes that teach CBT and you can get certification in DBT and you can, you know, ultimately, you know, if, if you want you get psychodynamic training, but you can start tomorrow with the next patient you see
1: awesome and thank I, you I know so much I'm, I'm pretty <laughs> sure he's doing it without realizing anyway <laughs>
0: um okay well this is this has been really awesome we really appreciate your time um uh it's been another great episode of psych debates with dr Cabnis, and we conclude